episode of The Bold Platform. This is Adrian. I'm the creator and host of the podcast. The podcast was created in February 2020, uh, 2019, actually, excuse me, as a way to um, highlight the amazing women in our country that are doing really incredible things for members of the community. So today I am joined by Maddie from Little Dreamers Australia. So welcome to the podcast, Maddie. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for making time. I know life's a little bit crazy during the whole COVID-19 situation. So thank you very much for carving out some time in the day. Now, I know you're in Melbourne and you mentioned before it's a little bit chilly there. So I hope you're all nice and rugged up for, for our chat today. I'm sitting by the heater. I'm loving life. Perfect. That sounds very cozy. Well, (laughs) let's get straight into it. Um, Let's chat a little bit more about what Little Dreamers Australia is and and how it came to be. Yeah, so Little Dreamers was founded, oh God, nearly 11 years ago now, so back in 2009, Mm -hmm. uh, to support a group of kids in our community who are often overlooked and vulnerable and quite isolated. So these are our young carers. So A young carer is defined as someone under the age of 25 who grows up looking after a parent, a brother, a sister, or sometimes even a grandparent who might have a chronic illness, mental illness, disability, or drug or alcohol addiction. And we exist to improve the quality of life and work around health and wellbeing opportunities, uh, breaking down education and financial disadvantage, and rebuilding social connectedness for the hundreds of thousands of young carers that live in our community across Australia. That's incredible. I have so many questions straight away, so (laughs) I'll hopefully be able to get them all out. So how did, um, it's obviously founded by yourself 11 years ago. How did it come to be? I actually grew up as a young carer myself. So I've grown up uh, caring for both my brother and my mum. Uh, from a very young age, my brother is about two and a half years younger than me. And when he was six months old, he was diagnosed with asthma. And then from there, when he was three years old, he was diagnosed with encephalitis, which is a swelling of the brain. And then epilepsy at the age of four. Um, he has an adrenal insufficiency fibromyalgia, which is chronic muscle pain. Um, and he's allergic to dairy, egg, soy, lavender, kiwi fruits, walnuts, and wool. Um, But very lucky, no anaphylaxis. So we got out of that one uh, quite nicely. Um, But he's also, he has a lot of learning difficulties and Mm. a very low immune system. So growing up, he was in and out of hospital quite a lot. Um, Mm. He had like weird and wonderful things. Like I got chicken pox, gave them to my brother, and then they went to his lungs which I'd never heard of chicken pox going to anyone's lungs, but if it was going to go to anyone's, it would be my brother's. Sure. Um, And then, so I was kind of, I'd grown up and from the age of six, I kind of knew how to pour out his medicine. I knew how to pack the hospital bag, how to call an ambulance, where to wait when they were coming through the door, how to check his temperature, how to set up his asthma nebulizer and all that kind of stuff. And that really seemed to me growing up quite normal. Like Mm. I thought that was how everyone's family was. Yeah, right. Um, And then when I was 14 years old, my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. So she was quite young. She was 41 years old when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she ended up going through um, two major surgeries, 
chemotherapy, radiotherapy, and then another um, major surgery at the end of all her treatment um, and has been left with uh, rheumatoid arthritis, osteoporosis, and now she's also celiac, lactose, and fructose intolerant. So it means that we have a lot of different milks in our house. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah, the milk shelf in the fridge is is very colourful, yeah. <laughs> very and varied. I, yeah, and I guess I'm very lucky because my dad and I have always had um, a very close relationship and really managed the care of both my brother and, and my mum together. Mm. But at the same time, it's hard. Like my dad was trying to provide for the family and have a job and work and take care of his wife who was really sick and his son who was really sick and he never really got a break. So we kind of, we became a very, um, I guess, unbreakable team, me and my dad taking care of the family together. And I'm very lucky for that. That sounds like, um, you know, it, you had to grow up quite quickly and that level of responsibility, um, was quite heavy, even if you didn't realize that that wasn't the norm for, you know, other young people your age at that time? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think that I had, I guess, the typical childhood. I don't think that Mm. even when I was younger, I noticed that that I guess my values and and what I liked to do weren't necessarily the same as my friends. I started my very first business when I was nine years old, which was called the CareNet Kids Club. Um, which I guess was the very first version of what Little Dreamers is today, but yeah, very different scale. Um, but I, I just wanted to do things that changed other people's lives, and I wanted to to do all that. But I didn't really go through that rebellious teenage phase. I never snuck out of the house. I didn't party and drink so much that I threw up and all that kind of stuff. Like that just wasn't what I wanted to do. And if I had the opportunity of I guess going out or staying home, most of the time I would stay home because I wanted to be there to protect my family. So I think that my values and my way of growing up was very different, but it has made me into the person that I am today, which is I'm very happy with that, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So when you decided that, you know, you saw that there were other people in the community that were going through the same thing that you had and still were going through, and you'd obviously established something when you were younger in terms of helping other kids. How did you, at what point did you decide, hang on, no, I want to make this into something bigger and better and really have like this full organization? Uh, when I was 14, when mum got sick, I became very, I became a very angry teenager. Right. Like think black nail polish, really strong eyeliner, fishnet stockings as you. gloves. I've kind got a of. great visual. Yeah. <laughs> There are no photos of that anywhere. Thank God. Um, All evidence has been destroyed. <laughs> yes. And I had like simple plan blaring on my stereo kind of okay, um, got it. phase got it. in my life. Yeah. Total um, teenage angst. <laughs> exactly. And I used to slam the doors like there was no tomorrow because I couldn't, I couldn't quite grasp and my teenage brain couldn't work out why it felt like our family was just continuously getting blow after blow after blow. Like, mm my brother had been sick for so long. Now my mum was sick. Um, our house was broken into like, there were all these things that I guess didn't really make a lot of sense to me. So I just became really angry about it all. Mm. But I also, I've always been quite an inquisitive person. A lot of my previous bosses before I came to work at Little Dreamers would always tell me I asked too many questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but it meant that when mum was diagnosed, I found that not no doctor, no person was really 
telling me what was going on. They just kept saying, well, you're only 14. You don't need to worry about it. It's for the adults to deal with. And in my head, I, I kept thinking, well, no, this is my mum. This is my, she's in my house. I need to know what to do if she's sick. I need to know what signs to look out for. So I jumped on Dr. Google, which I obviously don't recommend, um, <laughs> especially when your mum has just been diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah. And I found all these scary stats about life expectancy and all that kind of stuff. But I also found a research report um, written by a researcher named Saul Becker, who is over in the UK, all about this group of kids called young carers. And mm-hmm. I'd never heard of the term. Nobody had ever spoken to me about it. And as I read this report, I read about the risk factors I read about education disadvantage. I read about anxiety and depression and all different things that feeling lonely and angry and isolated, but also just wanting to do everything you can for your family. And as I read this description of what a young carer might be, it kept ticking all these boxes for me for me and how mm. I felt. Um, and I kind of got myself into this really deep research hole one night and found that one in 10 kids in Australia grow up as young carers. And it was- wow. A- Exactly. It was a stat from back in 2002. And by the time I was reading this, it was 2007. And I was like, well, hold on. There's all these kids out there. No one is doing anything. No one has spoken to me about it. There are all these risk factors. There are all these these children that aren't finishing high school and, and all these kinds of things that it kind of sparked something in me where I was like, well, if no one's doing anything about it, why can't I do something about it? And I mm-hmm. think that that really goes back to how I've been brought up. My, I have an incredibly close relationship with my grandparents because every time my brother would go into hospital, I would go and stay at their place. Sure. Um, and they've always taught me that if you're angry about something or if you don't agree with something, change it. Mm-hmm. Don't just be complacent and sit there with it. So when I found all these statistics that made me quite angry, I was like, okay, well, maybe I can do something about it. And so what did the offering or the products or the services, what were some of those first ideas that you had and and how is that um, sort of similar or different to what Little Dreamers looks like today? We launched, so I launched Little Dreamers back in 2009 with two of my very close friends Mm -hmm. and we launched it at, it was a, a competition called Youth Inspire, mm-hmm. which encouraged young people to come up with a way that they wanted to change the world. Yep. And we put together, it's the only time in my entire life I've ever written a business plan. Um, <laughs> and we, we had to do this pitch presentation at this event at the comedy club in Melbourne. And we did this, there is video footage of this, actually. We did this skit of like, a game show and we were running through the audience and there was activities and um, we had these like, (laughs) I love it. Yeah. This like dark and gloomy story about this kid growing up as a young carer and how nothing was happening and bam, little dreamers, blah, blah, blah. Like it was, um, it was intense. And funnily enough, we didn't win the competition. They Mm. said that we were already too established and we didn't need the, the money that was on offer, which grinds my gears because Mm. the people who won never did anything with their money oh Um, that's so disappointing exactly right so but this was in 2008 and we ran this competition we didn't win but we had a business plan and we had this great idea so we decided that we were going to launch 
on the 16th of May in 2009. And we had a cocktail party um, at a tiny cocktail venue. And um, I don't know how we managed to swing it, but the woman who ran the venue said we didn't need to pay a deposit or anything until we started selling tickets. So we weren't out of pocket anything, which was amazing. Yeah, that's very generous. Um, never happened again after, like, I've never been able to find anyone who's done that <laughs> again, but I'll take it back in 2009. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had 150 people come to a launch and we raised $6,000. And that was what was the starting point for our organization. Actually, Molly Meldrum and David Campbell launched the organization for us that night on the 16th of May, which really helped. How? Um, how did you get in contact with them and how did you fill that room of 150 people? Um, David Campbell, I actually, my mum was speaking at a fundraising event for another organisation that was supporting my brother at the time and David was performing. Okay. And I was a big fan. I don't remember how. I think my grandma liked him and, and I was a big fan. So at the event, I very not so stalkerishly followed him around the event. Um, it was at like Crown Palladium, like there was a huge mm-hmm. number of people there and um, followed him around this event and eventually tapped him on the back and I said, hi, my name's Maddie. Uh, I love what you're doing. I have an idea. And he always says that he thinks I was the youngest person who ever listened to his music. So he was excited <laughs> to talk to me. Um, and I said, I've got this idea for an organization. We're launching on in May next, in 2009. Would you be able to come along? And he said, yes, on the spot. I don't, oh, think, wow. I don't think he realized what he was agreeing to at the time, but um, I've never been someone, if someone said yes to me once, I'm going to hold them to it, which mm. um, has helped me a lot over the last 11 years. But that's how we got David. And then Molly, we got my dad's best friend from high school, sister was connected to him. It was a bit weird, but um, he came along and David came along and they launched it for us and it, it helped us to get a little bit of media attention around the time, sure. which was great. Yeah. Um, but we launched with one program. We wanted to create dream experiences for young carers. So we mm-hmm. wanted to give young carers the opportunity to do something they've always wanted to do but never been able to organize or afford themselves and that was it that's all we wanted to do and so it they got the opportunity to sort of pick something that they'd want to do and then the little dreamers were able to fund that experience for them is that sort of how the program worked pretty much so we um our very first dream that we ever granted was for two sisters named Erin and Adele and they wanted to stay the night at the Hilton Hotel and they got to ride in a pink Hummer limo and have um, a big lunch with all of their family and friends at the Hilton. And then um, one of the girls got a bike as well. We gave one of the girls a bike because she wanted to ride with her dad, I think. And we made a rule. It was a $500 limit we were allowed to spend. Mm-hmm. We did not provide objects, only experiences, unless mm-hmm. the object contributed to an experience so we have previously provided like a trampoline for for a little boy whose um, mum and sister were both in palliative care Mm -hmm. and he had a lot of frustration he needed to get out so we were able to provide them with a trampoline Um, but those were our rules and no interstate travel so if a family wanted to go from Melbourne to 
SeaWorld on the Gold Coast, mm. they could, if they could cover the cost of the flights, we could help with hotel and everything when they were there. Got you. Um, and those rules haven't changed. We still run this program 11 years later and the rules, no matter how big the organisation has got, exactly the same, $500 limit, no objects, no interstate travel, and that hasn't changed. Hey, Maddie, if, if this program had have been around when you were in the sort of the eye of the storm or the thick of your brother's and your mother's illness, what would your dream have been? What would your experience or your request have been? To meet Zac Efron. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Zac Efron. I love how straight away you were like, Zac Efron, he's my guy. I've got a very good friend who will totally understand exactly why you would choose that. It's still my dream experience. I'm 27 years old and oh, I still want to meet Zac Efron. She's almost 35 and it's still her dream. Don't worry. You've got a while to go. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. I love it. So that program now, 11 years later, still exists. Is there other services and programs along with it or is that still your main sort of core offering to the young uh, carers of Australia? We now offer eight I think it's eight different support programs that kind of all target different risk factors that young carers face. So Mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, we looked at, oh, probably now six years ago, maybe we looked at our dream experiences and we looked at that offering and we said, well, families are coming to us all the time asking for help with their schooling or asking for connections to other young carers. So how can we expand on what we do? Mm. And the whole time we've always made sure that young carers are heavily involved in the development of our programs. It's Mm -hmm. important that we have young carers at every level of our organization. So in our volunteers, in our staff, on our board, in our ambassador group, they're young carers that are making the decisions because the programs are for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So now we offer our dream experiences. We have both one-on-one and group mentoring programs. We have an in-school support program called the Young Carer Project, which supports uh, teachers and trains teachers on how to better identify young carers in their classroom and also provide support for young carers in the school environment. We have an online peer support platform called the Dreamers Hub. We have school holiday programs. Um, We're just about to launch an online tutoring program, especially in the light of COVID-19. We also have uh, a program called the Big Dreamers Program, which is for 13 to 18-year-old young carers uh, to help them kind of figure out who they are outside of their caring role and what they want to do with their life. Um, And we also have an in-person peer support program that runs in New South Wales and Queensland. And has the development of those programs from the the original one to now the the eight or so that you have is that through um, both your experience and what and you what you've identified as something that would have been beneficial plus what members of the community are telling you in terms of that sort of demand um, from from current young carers? Yeah, definitely both. I think um, the Big Dreamers program is. I'm not allowed to have favorite programs, but if I did. <laughs> Uh, the big Perks dreamers the job. program. Yeah, the, the big dreamers program would definitely be up there. I that has been built. I actually built the big dreamers program with a very, very, very close friend of mine who also grew up as a young carer, and we were sitting on the floor of an apartment in London 
a couple of years ago um, and we were talking about, well, what did we need when we were teenagers? What mm-hmm. would have been the, the game changer for us when we were in the thick of our caring role? And we both said space outside of our caring role. Mm-hmm. I think what we find for young carers is that it gets to a point in for every child's schooling where they're asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to study? What course are you going to apply for? And young carers don't often have the space to think about that and figure that out and figure out who they are without being a young carer. So they sort of can't see like life outside of that, Exactly, I guess. Mm. exactly. So we both said sitting on this floor in London that that's what we would have wanted and we built out the Big Dreamers program, uh, which is a six-month personal development and leadership program. So we take 15 young carers at a time and they go through a two-night, three-day camp mm-hmm. at the beginning and then they do six months worth of face-to-face workshops. They're four-hour workshops. They cover things like public speaking, uh, careers, uh, career skills, uh, resume writing, um, we have difficult conversations, healthy relationships, all of that kind of um, kinds of things. And then they do a two-night, three-day camp again at the end. And along the whole process, they get paired with a personal mentor and a business mentor as well. Right. And where do you find um, the people to deliver those programs and then also to continue those mentoring relationships? Is that like ambassadors or volunteers you mentioned before? Yes, we have a lot of volunteers. We have Mm. um, about 90 active volunteers at the moment. Uh, And the Big Dreamers program is the hardest to get into. We only take four volunteers at a time for that program. Mm -hmm. Um, And those four volunteers become team leaders. So they have three to four young carers each that they manage throughout that program. And then once at the first camp, um, the kids sort of, we work through what they want to be when they grow up or what area they think they want to work in. We've had things like hairdressers for the theatre, like people who want to do hair Mm. and makeup for the theatre. We've had, I want to be an Air Force pilot. We've had, um, I want to be in the circus, Um, all kinds of things. And then for the next couple of weeks after the first camp, we go away and within our networks of our staff and, and our volunteers, we put the call out and we say, okay, we're looking for someone in construction, we're looking for a vet, we're looking for whatever that might be. And we just find incredible people who have amazing skills, who want to give up an hour a month or whatever it might be to mentor this young person, to help them understand what experience they might need or what course they might want to get into, or do they want work experience uh, at that point in time to help them get to where they need to go. And do you find that... um people who have grown up in a caring role um, are attracted to becoming a volunteer or is it a, a sort of a mix of general members of the public? We do have a mix of both people who grew up as, as carers or young carers and people who didn't, but I would probably say it's about a 50-50 split and often we find that people come to volunteer for us without realising that they had grown up as a young carer. Got you. Because it's like that lack of awareness or or knowledge, like you mentioned in your own experience, right? Exactly. It happens more often than we think it does where people have grown up in a way where they just think, yep, this is just who I am. This is Mm. what I do. And haven't realized that there is actually support for 
how they're feeling and, and the experiences that they have. So many like myself didn't don't realize or didn't realize that they did have a caring role in their family. Yeah. So with all these programs and obviously like having such a wide variety of programs, I'm I am only imagining the administration, the operations behind that. How does Little Dreamers fund the organization? How do you fund the organization? Is it through um, community fundraising? Is it through government support? How does that work? Bit of everything, really. Um, we are about 50% funded by government, both state and federal. And that only, we received our very first amount of government funding in 2018. So it's only been a couple of years since that. Mm-hmm. Um, about 40% community funded through grant, like philanthropic grant applications and donations. Mm-hmm. And then about 10% funded through fundraising events and, and products that we sell. So we have a coloring book that we sell. We have a children's story book that I wrote um, called My Brother is Sick Again that we sell as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do uh, a big trivia night every year, which is one of my favorite nights of the year. <laughs> um, and we get about 300 people to our trivia night. And then the last couple of years, we've also run a gala dinner. Uh, we're not running one this year because I think we need to have a break, but yeah. um we were throwing around ideas of like a 24-hour movement marathon, so we'll oh, see yeah. how we go. That's cool. I love that. And it's nice for you to be able to have, like you said, those sort of products but also um, have, you know, local grants but also then this, the government funding. So you, I guess you've got a couple of different um, funding streams and it's not sort of wholly and solely reliant on, on one or the other. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So the amount of people that have obviously come through the organisation over the past 11 years in terms of young carers, are there people that you've met along the way that really stand out to you and and really sort of, you know, pop into your head on those days that maybe are a little bit tougher than others that sort of are those motivators or those sort of stories that really stand out for you? My family and my friends always laugh at me because I feel like I've got 5,000 kids. Like (laughs) we've worked with 5,000 kids over the last 11 years and I feel like I've got 5,000 of my own children. That's phenomenal. I I love watching them grow up and there's been quite a few that have been with us for a really long time. One of them that does stand out to me, her name is Aileen and I think we met her back in 2012. She was nine years old and she has grown up with a younger brother who has uh, quite severe autism Mm -hmm. and Aileen's dream experience was to be a zookeeper for the day. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I know. So um, we were able to work with the zoo and and she got um, to put on a little zookeeper outfit and feed the giraffes, I think it was, and, um, and kind of walk around the zoo for the day. And funnily enough, at the same time, as granting Aylan's dream, we were on mornings on Channel 9 with mm-hmm. David Campbell and mm-hmm. for the launch of what proved to be probably the biggest mistake I've ever made in my business. But um, we launched a cookbook called Cut in Half, uh, which featured the favourite sandwiches of 70 different celebrities from around uh, the country and around the world, actually. Um, mm-hmm. the, the mistake part is that I still have... 1500 copies of that book um, in boxes in the office so um, we were very optimistic about how many we could sell and and eight years later we still have thousands of them Mm. Um, but anyway 
Aileen came on, we had this story on mornings and Aileen came on with me. So she flew up, we flew up to Sydney together and she was on live TV with me. And she was probably the cutest little thing in the entire world. Yeah. And Aileen, I've now watched her over the last eight years just flourish into the most incredible young woman. She has come through our Big Dreamers program. She went through our very first cohort of Big Dreamers. She did her year 10 work experience at Little Dreamers last year. Um, Her family is, I'm very close with her family. I know Mm. her family well. I feel like she is the little sister that I never had. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm just, I'm so incredibly proud of her. And to having had young people like Aileen and we've got a few others that have been with us for eight, nine years, to be able to watch them grow up and be a part, be such a big part of their life is something that I will always be very proud of and and think is very special and make me want to get up even and work hard even on those really hard days. Yeah. And on those, you know, you mentioned then the sort of the harder days and you obviously alluded then to one of the biggest mistakes in terms of the the cookbooks. What are what are, how do you sort of get through those hurdles or those challenges or those setbacks because I'm sure like any small business or small organization founder there have been hurdles and challenges and setbacks for for you over the years how do you sort of navigate those situations yeah a hundred percent there are there are really hard days and I think being a founder makes me a little bit closer closer or sometimes even too close to the business I think it does mean that it's really hard to separate who you are from what your business is sometimes Mm -hmm. um so I I have, we have a team of staff now, which has been a challenge on its own, going from a one, one person machine to a team of 32 now um, across the country. But on the days where it still is really hard, I rely on the rest of my team and I, they, we have a Slack channel that we use where they send funny gifts and memes of goats and dogs and, and everything. (laughs) And um, when, when we are allowed back in the office and around people again, I think that it does help to, to be around just a really incredibly motivating group of people. Um, I do still, I have a lot of mentors that I work with and a lot of friends that run their own businesses and often I'll call them up and say, the world is ending, I can't do this, <laughs> like I can't do this anymore, I'm the wrong person to run this business. The imposter syndrome that I feel is is very real sometimes and I mm-hmm. think that... Um, having those people that I can call and say, I'm having a really down day. I don't think I'm the right person to run this business. I don't like, surely there are people who have better experience and better qualifications and better gut instincts about these things can help with that. And I call them and I have a cry and, um, and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, that's part of normally running a business, right? Like you just, you just need to have those people who you can vent to. And then, you realize, or or sometimes I'll go back and I'll watch a video of some of our kids or I'll read quotes that kids have written. I'll be like, no, you know what? Like today sucks and, and tomorrow's a new day and we have to keep going so that these these kids know that there is someone out there who cares for them because if we close and if I can't do this, then no one else is doing it at the moment to take yeah. over. So there is no one else in Australia that's running similar sorts of programs to you? 
we are the only organization in the country that solely focuses on young carers. So there are organizations out there that run sibling support programs or or Mm -hmm. young carer programs that are kind of side projects to their main core offering. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Little Dreamers is the only organization in Australia that 100% solely focuses on young carers. And do you feel like, and I'm not sure if you can answer this, but do you think that is beneficial in terms of funding and grant applications because you can show that there is nobody else there and and you do have, you know, thousands of children that are needing this? Do you think that because it's not a super crowded space that that can be beneficial for you in in gaining that support? Yes, it can be beneficial in in that support. But at the same time, I wish there was more for young carers. Like we Mm. can't do everything. We Mm. can't be everywhere. Um, And there are, we're currently working mainly along the Eastern Seaboard of Australia. So Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland. Uh, We do have um, a couple of kids we're supported in every state around the country, but just in very different ways. And I wish there was supports for young carers in every corner, no matter where they live. And sometimes that makes me anxious. Like I'm a very impatient person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I like to get things done and I like to get them done now. And so sometimes I wake up and I'm like, yep, today we're going to expand to Western Australia and then realize that we can't actually just do that. And (laughs) I, I wish there was um, supports for young carers in every corner of Australia. And I wish there were more people doing this, but at the same time, yes, it does help us with funding applications and things like that. Mm, Absolutely. And I totally understand what you're saying, especially in terms of that sense of urgency, because you know that the, the kids are out there and you also know that there's no one in their local communities offering that, you know, face to face, um, or, or that sort of support that you are. And it's, I can understand, but obviously because you feel so strongly and so passionately about it and you know that there is the demand for it, that sense of urgency and that sort of impatience to want to get it out there to all those different areas of Australia. Yeah, it's it's hard knowing that there are kids over in other states and other areas and regional and remote communities who don't necessarily know that support is out there and don't know what it feels like to have that recognition and acknowledgement and support. Um, But one day, we'll get there one day and then we'll be able to celebrate. Absolutely. (laughs) In terms of the running of the business um, and your, you sort of your, your business life and your, and your day-to-day life, what are some of the things that you can't live without, whether they be apps or foods or rituals that you do every day or people in your world? What are some of those things that you know are your sort of go-tos and that you absolutely can't live without? This is going to sound really funny, but I can't live without a hot water bottle. A hot water bottle. Okay. I have a home hot water bottle and a work hot water bottle. Um, (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And um, you will find me with my hot water bottle heated up like 90% of the year. Yeah, right. Um, And it's just people, when I walk around the office cuddling my hot water bottle, people often think um, that I'm not feeling well or that something's wrong. But really it's just very cozy and I like feeling, it feels like I'm getting a warm hug all the time. That's Um, fair. That's totally fair. But I I use it, I do, I use it as a bit of a comfort thing. Like it's just, it's nice and it's warm and it's cozy. But so my hot water bottle, I can't live without. And Mm -hmm. uh, right at the beginning of of lockdown for COVID-19, my home hot water bottle popped and I am um, 
very embarrassed to say that I probably reacted like a 10-year-old who just had his lollipop <laughs> taken off him. It was like At least the, she can admit it. <laughs> oh, it was a disaster. Um, and I'm 27 years old and there were a lot of tears for a very um, old popped hot water bottle. Yeah, but like you said, it's that association and it's that comfort and it's the familiarity. So it's exactly. reasonable for it too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but I can't live without Slack. Mm-hmm. I think we put Slack into the business last year and it has been a game changer for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like Spotify is just the best invention ever. Mm-hmm. I have, I can't work without music. Like I find it really hard to work in silence. Totally get you on that. Yep. So we recently made a whole bunch of Little Dreamers playlists on Spotify and the music is elite. It is next level. I've never <laughs> like, it's just, it's a great selection of music. So I've been pumping that out lately and it's, it's making me very happy. It's good. It's good for your mood. Yeah, exactly. And are they public lists like that other people can look they up are. and they dance are. along so, to? Yes. So Little Dreamers has a account in Spotify mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favourite playlist is the Office Vibes playlist. Office Vibes. Okay. For Office any vibes. Spotify users listening, look at the Little Dreamers <laughs> channel and you'll be able to find all of Maddie's um, top top hits there. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's really good. <laughs> Maddie, what do you do apart from the hot water bottle and um, the office playlist to sort of <laughs> take care of yourself? Because obviously you are in a role that you are giving and you're taking care of. Like you said, you know, you feel like you've got 5,000 children, plus you've got staff and a board and ambassadors and volunteers and are all looking to you as the founder to sort of for all the answers. What do you do to take care of yourself so that you can sort of maintain um, the levels that you need to then? keep going with little dreamers <laughs> when my grandma listens to this podcast she's gonna laugh because my grandma always says to me who's caring for you if you're caring for all the carers um, <laughs> why is it wise words grandma wise words <laughs> <laughs> I am I am the worst person at taking care of myself mm. ever I wrote <laughs> write blog posts about um how to take care of yourselves and your top tips for relaxation and stress management. And I am, I do not listen to my own advice at like all. The mechanic with the, with the crappy car. Exactly. <laughs> I am, um, I, I know what I should be doing. I should be exercising regularly. It, it mm-hmm. helps. I am someone who has um, at times very bad anxiety. So I know that exercise helps me. I also yeah. know it's the first thing to go when I'm feeling stressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I do, I try and switch off for at least an hour or two before I go to bed. So Mm -hmm. I binge watch some Netflix. I'm currently watching Nashville on Sunday. Yeah. Just great. Yeah. Um, It's a good like country music. It's really good. Yeah. It's really good. My sister and I watch it. Yep. (laughs) Um, And I read books and I go for walks and I talk to friends and I vent about things openly and honestly, and that really helps me. I'm definitely not the type of person that keeps something inside for very long. So mm-hmm. I I think that's good. And I do cry a lot. I'm like, I'm a known crier, whether that's at home or in the office, everyone's seen me cry at least once. Um, and I think that helps for me and for my team to know that I am just human Mm. I, I'm not someone who sits in a CEO office and has 
no emotion and runs the business in a typical way. Like I'm mm. quite, I'm quite an open and honest person. And I like people to see that on crappy days and on days where my mental health isn't so great, like I am open about that and I know what I should be doing and I take breaks and I, I do that kind of stuff when I need to, to show them that well, it's okay if you do that as well. Yeah. And it's just about leading by example, I guess, and to let people know that like none of us have, you know, sunshine and rainbows every single day. And we do have bad days, whether that's just because something's made you cranky or your anxiety is playing up or you're not feeling the best or whatever that might be. But by, you know, you just total rolling with that and owning those ups and downs, I think that sets a great example for everyone else to go, yeah, it's actually in this workplace, it's okay not to be okay every single day. And you're leading from the top in that way. Yeah, we have a um we have a very open culture about that. It was probably a year and a half ago now one of the girls in our office um and her boyfriend broke up and me and one of the other girls got her a smash cake. Have you oh, ever seen yes. a smash cake? Yes. I've seen these. Yeah, there was I've only seen them at kids birthday parties, but yeah. I mean, it definitely makes sense for a breakup. Yeah, it had a it had a rude word printed on the cake. Sure. Um and we took photos and she literally smashed the crap out of the cake um, and it helped. And that's kind of how we've always run our business. Like if someone's having a bad day, yes, you need to be professional and we're in a professional environment and you do need to try and separate your emotions from work a little bit. But Little Dreamers is a family. You come into to work and you are part of a family and we're always going to support each other in that way, no matter how big we get. Mm. what's coming up for you and little dreamers that you're excited about or that's sort of something that's um that's you know on the horizon for you that's that's keeping you motivated and keeping you excited or that you're looking forward to at the moment we've recently just opened up programs and operations in new south wales and queensland so Mm -hmm. that's exciting me to be able to see how we're now operating and working with offices in other states and and what that looks like. Um, And I'm currently also working on the creation of a National Care Act. So Australia doesn't have a Care Act. We don't have any policies that protect and support carers at the moment, and I don't really know why we don't. So I am turning to an advocacy and policy writing area that I've never done before and trying to read about care acts around the world, what works, what doesn't, and work with some politicians to develop Australia's very own care act down the track as well. Wow, that sounds incredible. It will be the game changer, I think, for Mm. for the country because it means that carers who can't access Little Dreamers, carers of any age, and carers who exist well beyond Little Dreamers, I guess, lifetime, will be able to get the support and acknowledgement that they deserve as well. Yeah, absolutely. Maddie, if people are wanting to support the work that you're doing and and find out more information um, about the work that you're doing, perhaps they're a a young carer or know someone that is, where can they find out more information and, and to support the work that you're doing? You can head to our website, which is littledreamers.org.au, and you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, I'm not the best at Twitter, but thank God I don't manage it. So um, (laughs) Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Okay, amazing. So it's littledreamers.org.au. 
www.facebook.com.au is the yes. website and then Facebook, Instagram and the Twitter account. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, as Maddie said, the website is there for you to have a look at. There's some in- um, really uh, informative information on there around the programs that they're offering and how you can support or get involved and also some of those pr- um products there that Maddie mentioned um, as well. So please do go and check that out. Give their Little Dreamers pages a follow on social media because it's a really good way, as we all know, um, to support people, even if you don't currently need those services. But it's a great way to show your support and to help um, the Little Dreamers message get out there further and further. Um, Maddie, I think what you're doing is so incredible. The fact that you've already, you know, supported over 5,000 children and obviously then the flow on to their family is absolutely phenomenal. So thank you so much for coming on the show and I wish you and your family lots of uh, healthiness and and um and yeah health for the rest of um the rest of the year and and especially during the time that we're in in terms of the the COVID-19 situation. Thank you so much. It's been so great being here and talking with you today and and sharing the Little Dreamer story. I've had lots of fun. 